Hello, friends. I'm your host, Christina, and you're listening to Radical Stepmoms, a podcast about the good, bad, and really ugly moments about raising a child that you didn't create. Here, I'll discuss the realities of co-parenting, the way stepmotherhood affects a marriage, the relationship with our stepkids, and most of all, navigating the relationship with ourselves. I want each episode to leave you feeling validated, empowered, and oh so radical. So pour yourself a LaCroix, a glass of red, or whatever, and listen in on Radical Stepmoms. Hello, you are listening to Radical Stepmoms. This is Christina. I am super excited to be welcoming welcoming back Coach Michelle. She's been on the podcast several times now, and we always have amazing conversations. She's super rad. Hi, Michelle. Hi, thanks for having me back. Yeah, thank you. For those who may not have listened to our previous episodes, let's do a brief little bio spiel about you your platform and the things that you provide for your for your clients. Sure, thank you. I am a high high conflict co-parenting coach. I work with parents, I work with step parents um, who have a high conflict parent on the other side. And so I help them learn the tools and skills to disengage from the conflict, take accountability for the things that they can control because as you know, even if we would wish to, we cannot change the co-parent. And so I work with with parents all day long. We do I do one-on-one coaching sessions, ghostwriting for our family wizard and talking parents. I do group coaching, like support groups for both moms, dads, my stepmoms, and a bunch of other stuff. I help, you know, parents get ready for court. I'm also an attorney. So I don't help them in that regard, but I I have, you know, the knowledge and background of 20 years in litigation. So yeah, I've been doing this for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the people that I've sent your way really find value in that ghostwriting. And, and that's just like, because so much of the, of the issues with high conflict is that communication piece. And when you have to, I mean, my husband, like I always see his like steam is coming out of his ears as he's trying to develop like how to appropriately respond to her in a way that's not going to, you know, ignite more stuff from her or make him not appear to be high conflict. That's I think in the situation that we're in right now where it's like, he's so upset or resentful or bitter. And it's like, dude, you got to leave that off off to the side because you're going to come off. (laughs) (laughs) It's the crazy one if you don't reel it in. So your ghostwriting, your ghostwriting service is fantastic for, for those, you know, people that like not only need to step aside from like getting emotionally invested in all the communication and having that be such a large part of their life, but also the how to respond. And you're amazing at that. And anyone that I've sent your way is like, this is awesome. I don't know why I didn't do this sooner. <laughs> well, and it's not just knowing what to say, but it's also knowing when to not say anything, right? And so mm-hmm. when people are activated, and I talk to my clients all the time about, because it's really just sensation, literally just physical sensation. We're activated, our bodies go into fight or flight. And so we talk a lot about you know hitting that pause button before you respond. Because then you're going to be able to have some separation, your nervous system settles down a bit, and you can actually respond if it needs a response. Most messages don't (laughs) versus that reactionary, like what you're talking about when you're, you know, your husband's fired up is that then we're pouring fuel on the fire, right? And so I think the first question is, do we need to respond here? If so, Let's pick out the things that we have to respond to, right? So we're going to make it really big. Yeah. So that, oh, I know what I was going to say is that the one service that I get inquiries about the most from stepmoms is the ghostwriting because I think often they become the ghostwriters, right? Exactly. Stepmoms become the ghostwriters and they're like, you know what? This is not my job. I'm not getting paid for this. It's Mm -hmm. way more stressful than my actual job. And it creates, conflict between the, you know, the step parent and her current husband. And 
And even the stepkids, I think, you know, right, getting so sure. immersed in that communication and knowing about bio mom and what she's doing, it's really hard to separate that and then go, oh, hi, kid. Like, <laughs> like your mom is what you've been up to <laughs> being really mean to me and or like she's causing all this havoc in my home. But hey, it's time to go brush your teeth. Like, it's really hard to do that. And you're right. I think that having someone to do that for us and you know, not feel, cause you know, I know that sometimes my husband's like, but you're better at it than me. And, you know, and, and it's like, I don't care if I'm better at it than you. <laughs> this is your, your stuff to deal with. Yeah. And probably the reason that you're better at it is because you've had a lot of practice, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked about a lot of high conflict strategies and, and, and stuff like that on our previous episodes. So, if you're looking for more of those strategies from Michelle, go listen to those. I will make sure I tag them in the show notes and stuff so you can find them easily. But this particular episode, we're kind of talking about how to take care of yourself really when you're dealing with all this stuff. So not necessarily how we're dealing with the conflict and the drama, but how are we taking care of ourselves in these moments and what can we do for our partners as well. And so it's not impacting our, our relationships. So Michelle, I'll, I'll let you kind of take it from there as far as, you know, our, our ability to separate and to share or, and, and to take care of us when all this stuff is, is hitting the fan. Right. And that's in self-care is usually what goes out the window at these times first, because it's like, okay, I'm so spread thin that I can't take on like one more thing, right? And it's so important for us to have community and structure and support to be able to maintain that peace, both within ourselves, but also for our marriage. Because, you know, I mean, I hate to bring it up, but the statistics are staggering. 50% of all first marriages end in divorce, 60% of second marriages end in divorce. And I don't know the statistics for when there's a high conflict co-parent, but I can imagine that they're much, much higher and 70% of all high conflict divorces involve a personality disorder. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, huge. it's, it's really, really staggering. And so we want to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves, taking care of and nurturing the relationship as well. And I like to talk about it in terms of self-care and soul care, right? And so the soul care is the the stuff that we generally think of when we talk about self-care, things like getting a massage, getting out in nature, reading a good book, going for a hike. Those are all things that fill our soul, right? They keep us going. They fill up our cup, so to speak. And those things are all super, super important, but we can't all go get a massage every day that we feel stressed out, right? right. Or even once a week. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great, but we can't. So we need to try to find little tiny things that we can do in every single day, right? Whether that's having a, a daily meditation practice, that's something that you can do for five minutes every single day. Journaling, right? So you're frustrated with your co your um, husband, you're frustrated with your co-parent or his co-parent, start a journal. That way you can get it all out there and let go of it without like word vomiting on your husband, right? Or your friends and your family, because it's great. You know, connection with friends and family is also really great, but most of you are not going to have friends who are going through this same dynamic where you have a step parent who is high conflict. And so then people just kind of get burnt down on hearing the same things over and over. And, and then they tend to like back off, right? Yeah, I definitely feel that. I feel fortunate that I have... One friend in my life who is, she's all in. She's like, I want to know the tea. Like, tell me it all. It's never old. Like, I support you. And, you know, and then I have other, my other friends, majority of my other friends, I feel like I filter a lot, you know, where they'll ask me, hey, how are you? And I'm like, <laughs> good. Mm, that's layered. <laughs> Let's think. I am not going to share all the baby mama drama right now. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm just going to share the other parts of my life. And, or I will sometimes start to tell some of it 
and then I'll kind of see their eyes glaze, you know, and right. I'm like, right. That's oh, what I'm I, I've, about. I've said too much. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're, bail, they're like, bail out, bail out, yeah, hit like, the eject uh, button. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, that having those friends and, and back to journaling, that's something that I also share like with the stepmoms that I work with. I, I'm a big fan of either, you know, like conscious like streaming of, of, you know, thoughts and just writing everything down. Or um, I love to create like prompts. So like worksheets that help me process through things. And that's really helpful because the more that you can process as you're saying, right. Then maybe you don't need to vent or ruminate with those friends and you can, you know, enjoy the night out with them or enjoy the date night with your partner instead of talking about all those things. Yeah, I like that. And we have to be really careful too when we do open up to our friends and family different than, you know, if we're working with a therapist or a coach, our friends and family have our backs, right? And so they just generally want to protect us. And something that I noticed when my high conflict, my relationship was very high conflict was that I chose friends to open up to who unknowingly colluded with me. Right. And so they kind of kept me stuck, like, oh, yeah, how dare he or she do that? You know? So we have to watch out for that too, because then totally. it's like snowball builds and builds and builds. Yeah, absolutely. So you're talking about the difference between self care and the difference between soul care. Right. So that's all soul care, things that really fill us up. But then there's other things that we have to do, like self care. I mean, yeah, so self care, such as, things that just, you know, we have to do in order to take care of ourselves, but it's not fun. Like doing the laundry, shopping for the week, getting support, whether it's working with a therapist or working with a coach or getting a a ghostwriter, things like that, that help manage our lives in a way that offloads some of that stress. Yeah. Because it's not fun to do laundry for me. I don't know. Some people find it very like meditative. I wish I did. I don't It's not fun for me, but you know, what's less fun, a lot less fun is when I don't do it. And then it's like all weekend, there's a mountain of laundry and it's just overwhelming. Right. And so if I don't keep up on it and I let that self-care go, I feel the effects a lot more. And then my weekend's kind of blown up and then it's Monday and it's like, Oh God, here we go. Yeah. I totally, I love this different kind of definition for it. It makes sense. Like you know, I realize the mornings that I don't like, if I get up and I just stay in my PJs and keep my hair up in my messy bun and like, don't do anything. And I, you know, I leave the dishes in the sink and, you know, I, it's just kind of like for me, like my depressed state <laughs> or really just defiant state of, I'm not going to adult today. Ooh, I like, that. I really don't <laughs> feel as good. I don't feel as good. Right. But you think you will, right? You think if I let my defiant child come out and the heck with all of this, I'm going to feel better. Yeah, I think. And then like I trip my, trick myself into thinking like, it's okay. You don't always have to have things put together. It's okay. And, but I really have realized that like my mental health needs it. My mental health does need to get up. Like, even if it's putting on a different pair of leggings, <laughs> I put on the leggings, I change my shirt, I brush my hair, I put on my tinted moisturizer, and that's enough for me to feel like I have a face on. And then, you know, I do the dishes and, and declutter the island in the kitchen or, or do whatever it is. And like you're saying, like, it's not a preferred task. Like if someone were to do all that for me and I would come downstairs and it'd be done, I'd be much happier, but my brain needs to see things clean. And my, and I physically need to feel like I have taken care of myself in some way, like, you know, changing out of whatever clothes, like that is an act of self-care. And I think that's something that they, they share sometimes in like postpartum, but I feel like it's a universal thing, regardless of what kind of season of life you're in to get up and do something for yourself, get a workout in, even if you hate it, move your body. Yep. And it's those little hacks right? Like just putting on a new pair of leggings, leggings tells your brain, oh, okay, things are good. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, one of the like life hacks that I took on about a year ago, cause I was like, oh gosh, there's not enough dishes, dirty dishes to run the dishwasher. But then the next morning there's too many dishes. And so I'm just like, you know what, I'm just going to run it. Or sometimes even if it's not full or sometimes 
the dishes, it's half full and they're clean. And I put the dirty dishes in. I'm like, they're getting a second wash because <laughs> I don't want to see dirty dishes in the sink. And it's just those little things that help us trick ourselves into thinking things are good. And the more that we think things are good, the more things are going to be good, right? Because what we focus on gets bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and it's, I share this too with the stepmoms that like, in order for us, and this has been said so many, so many times, but it's still very true, right? Like you have to take care of yourself before you take anyone care of anyone else. And so when you have chaos going around on around you and you are thinking, how am I going to take care of my stepkid? Or how am I going to, what does my partner need right now? And stuff is going on with bio mom. And then there's like the outliers, right? Like you've got personal stuff too. You've got work stuff going on. Maybe there's your own family dynamics or, you know, whatever, but like, how are you taking care of you? Because if you don't do that, you're not going to have the capacity to do that for anyone else. And I think that's something I feel fortunate about in my marriage where we both are very, I want to say selfish and that we fight for our own time and we fight for the things that are going to nurture our soul as well as the self-care stuff. And I think that that's like, oh, I haven't always been really good at it, but I think high conflict does that to you right. where you're you like, just to start to, yeah. <laughs> like this isn't going to work <laughs> unless we start doing something different. Yeah. That reminds me of, I think it was, it was either Oprah or Martha Beck who said, I think it was Martha Beck who said, every time you say no to someone is a yes to yourself. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's really important to remember, right? Because a lot of us are people pleasers, codependents. And so we're mm-hmm. constantly wanting to take care of other people and take care of their needs and take care of them first. And so it's really hard for us to say no. But every yeah. time we say no to them, it's a yes to us. And that's boundaries. Yeah, I find that tricky. Right. Because there's sometimes when I'm like, I do want to hang out with my friends. So like, I have to think, is this a yes? Because I feel obligated to say yes. Should I say no? Or should I really go out and do things? Because, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like situations like, and I've talked to dozens of stepmoms, hundreds of stepmoms about like, they won't plan things on the weeks that they have their stepkids because they feel guilty. Right. And so it's like, right. Is saying yes to those things. Is that a soul care where you really should go out with your friends to fill that cup and to get that external, you know, filled or do you say no, because you, you know, should in air quotes here should be home with your, and I feel like it's personal for everyone and everyone has to make their own choice, but it's like, there's these, some, there is some part points where you do need to say yes to other people to get you out of your shell and to actually nurture that soul care. If indeed that is something that, that is going to fill you up. Yeah. And I think every situation is going to be different, right? There's a a cost benefit analysis. And I think if you ask yourself, how do I feel when I think the thought, you know, I have to go and do this, or how do I feel when I think the thought I can't go and do this? So just, you know, do what feels right to take care of yourself. If you're feeling overwhelmed because it's been a difficult day with, you know, the stepkids, you're probably going to be better going and filling up your cup with your friends or by yourself or whatever it is. And then you can come back and, you know, maybe the next day, the time together will be that much more meaningful because you took that little break and we all need breaks. And it also gives your husband time to have some one-on-one time with the kids. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So you were, you were headed that way talking about boundaries. So what type of boundaries can we throw out there in regards to protecting your self-care, soul care? Yeah, I think for one, especially to just sort of protect the, you know, the relationship that you have in your marriage is communication, your communication with your co-parent, have a set day and time where you guys are going to talk about bio mom and the kids, anything having to do with the family dynamics. 
Otherwise, it seeps its way into every single day, right? Every single day. And then it feels like, oh my God, this is not the life I signed up for, right? But if you have a set day and time, it's just like when I work with clients and you know we're talking about checking their OFW messages. Don't check every day because every single day you're going to be getting activated. It takes up to 72 hours for your nervous system to settle back down. And oh, then you've got another either conversation with your husband about it or an email from the co-parent. So it's really important to sit down and say, hey, let's talk about, you know, like some rules that we're going to have around this so that it doesn't, otherwise it's kind of like a threesome, right? It's like three of you, (laughs) one person's not there, I know, right? But it's like, they're always there, right? And you're you're not signing up for that. And so you want to make sure, okay, what day or days and times are we going to talk about this? And how long are we going to talk about it? And this is going to be the time we can talk about it, talk about, bring up whatever we want. Other than that, it's off the, off the table, unless it's something, you know, like the example we talked about offline, something that's an emergency situation um, that you have to discuss. But aside from that, if things come up, write it in a journal, right? Keep a separate journal that is just about things that you want to, you know, put on the agenda or whatever, when you have a conversation with your husband. It's just like at work. If you have coworkers or a boss, you're not going to every single time something you you think of, oh, I want to bring this up. You're not going to run into their office and say, oh, I thought of one more thing or let's talk about this. Right. Right. So it's the same kind of thing. It's just setting boundaries and respecting each other's time and respecting the marriage that like we have to have time to not involve this third party. We know we're going to be able to talk about it on, you know, Monday night or whatever. And then that way you kind of can just settle into having your, you know, typical family time when you're together. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that my husband and I have done just like in our effort with the new year, right. You know, we're all like motivated. We're going to make changes. (laughs) We're going to do things differently in brand new year. And one of the things that we agreed on was something that we had did years ago that kind of like tapered off was our, like we do a little like powwow meeting um, at the beginning of every week to discuss the upcoming week, how the previous week went, like, what are you going to need from me this week? What went really well or whatever it is. So all these questions that we ask each other, but we've decided to kind of separate these meetings from blended family stuff. So in those meetings, the one that I just mentioned are more about our, like our marriage and how we are supporting each other and loving on each other. Am I meeting your needs? Because, you know, I'm a big acts of service person. I love when he does things for me. He's very much a quality time person. And we've realized that that doesn't always go well. <laughs> so I'm like, I want you out in the garage doing shit for me. And he's like, but I want to cuddle on the couch with you. And I'm like, but that doesn't work. <laughs> so there's, there's the meetings that we talk about our marriage. And then there are the meetings that we talk about blended family life. And when we talk about parenting, because as stepmoms know, you are developing your relationship at the same time that you're learning how to be parents together. And it's super complicated. And it works better for my husband and I to separate the two of them. And even with our daughter now, it's helpful if we're talking about both kids, we do a little parenting meeting. Hey, this is the stuff, especially because my stepson's nearly a teenager and oh my God, the attitude and the things (laughs) that are coming out of it. What are we going to do? And so keeping that separate is, we've only done this a couple of weeks now. It's, you know, mid January, but I'm like, this is already helpful and protecting our marriage from stuff. That's not even like, it's like, I love you. You're my person. Like this is, and it's all this outside stuff, the adulting stuff, the parenting stuff that impacts. Yeah. It impacts how I feel about him. where I'm like, you're a dirt bag. And he's like, no, I'm not. You just don't like my ex. And I'm like, that's true. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Yep. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that because also I think it's really important that you guys don't just see each other as parents, Mm -hmm. right? Like you have an intimate married relationship or, you know, married or unmarried and you don't want to just see each other as parents. So I love that you separate those two out. Mm-hmm. And the boundaries, right? Because as as we were talking about, those are the, the specific times that we talk about the blended family stuff. 
And of course there's, you know, little conversations here and there throughout the week or whatever, but it's like, we have a reset every week where we remind each other of like the things that are happening, what we're going to need from it, the goals that we have, how we're going to like mutually respond to the kids. So like there's certain dynamics that they're experiencing now as siblings. And we're like, all right, we need to nip this. So this is how we're going to handle it. So we can support each other when it starts to go down. And it just, that right there also, I think has helped in like little bickering moments, right. And like the attention, because we're like, oh, we've already talked about this. (laughs) So now we know how to handle it. Yeah. And the other thing is that when you have weekly check-ins like that, it doesn't allow things to grow really big, right? So it's only like maybe a week of stuff that's building up mm-hmm. versus like people who go a month without actually talking or years, you know, I know people who like, they just never yeah. communicate about stuff. And then one of them yep. kind of thrown off like, what? I never knew you felt that way. And it's like, well, yeah. We don't communicate at all, ever, <laughs> unless it's like, you know, about the kids or yeah, something. Yeah, that's always surprising to me when I'm working with couples. <laughs> when, <Yeah>. the, <laughs> when one person is like, well, three years ago, and I'm like, oh, so this, is, <laughs> this has been festering, okay? <laughs> right, right. It's been simmering and now it's boiling. <laughs> yeah, ex- absolutely. What are some other boundaries? for other couples or for stepmoms to use? I think, you know, just to reiterate your point about letting go of the guilt of, okay, you know, stepkids are here and should I go, should I not go is having a conversation with your husband too, or your partner and getting on the same page is like, Hey, look, you know, I love spending time together as a family. I also sometimes need a little break. And so know that if I'm going to take time out on a weekend when the kids are here, it's because I really need to take care of myself. So communicating that boundary um, so that they can understand the boundary, right? Because sometimes if you don't, if you just set a boundary and I'm talking about someone who you actually trust. So like your husband, not when you're setting boundaries with your co-parent, but if you just set a boundary, sometimes the other person will like make up stories about what that boundary is, right? Like they're trying to shut me out. They're pushing me away. But when you have a conversation about like, no, it's not that I don't want to spend time with your kids. It's that I need some distance right now or I'm going to lose it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? I can't be the best stepmom that I can be if I don't have these little breaks. Yeah. And, you know, that can be hard for some partners to hear, but I think that it, it is coming from their own feelings of that, right? Like, like they're feeling abandoned with their partner and and their own expectations that they're placing on their partner. And then you got to like dig a little deeper and go, okay, please explain to me why me going hanging out with my friends is upsetting to you. Like, where's that coming from? Like, you know, maybe they value more family time, you know, and it's like, okay, if you value more family time, then let's compromise right? Like, can we do family movie night Friday night, but Hey, I'm going to go hang out with my friends Saturday. And like, it, I think it's just, it's hard. It's hard because our, I think stepmoms are in a situation of feeling like they're the bad guys. If they say anything remotely deemed as negative about their experience or about how they feel towards their stepkids And we don't get that grace that other biological parents get where it's, you know, we see it all the time. And I do, I have a whole reel, I hope, or I have a whole highlight on Instagram of the double standards, but how a mom can get on Instagram and be like these effing kids and (laughs) but you know, if a stepmom does that, we're terrible, but there's that biological connection and unconditional love. So obviously a mom can do that. And And I feel like stepmoms are always trying to fight and argue for that same grace of these kids aren't even mine. And you expect me to just unconditionally like want to be around. And, but here you have biological parents that need breaks. Like, where's that logic? It's not there. I think a little bit of it too, is, you know, how it's like, you can say something about your own family, but you don't want 
as soon as someone else starts joining in, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel good. Yeah. And so, but they're, but you're in different roles. And so it's kind of like you get hoodwinked a little bit, like they'll start, you know, venting about their own kids. And then when you pile on, it's like, whoa, no, yeah. you're yeah. not allowed to say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've talked to a lot of stepmoms that have that dynamic with their partner where their partner can go off and tell them how frustrated they are. And then if they agree, it's like, no, 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 they're not that bad. Like, what do you, you know? And again, that it getting curious about where that's coming from, you know, I've had that exact same conversation with my husband and he's like, yeah, he's like, I've had that conversation with him. And he's like, but when you say it, I feel like it's a reflection of my parenting. And I'm like, oh, so you take it personally. And that when I say things about, you know, my frustrations with him, you're thinking that I'm saying you're a bad dad. Right. And He's like, well, I'm not a bad dad, but yeah, I feel like I'm not doing enough or I'm doing it wrong. And I'm like, oh, and there's the bigger conversation. And that's I think some that, really good active listening. That's awesome. Right. <laughs> and I just think it's, <laughs> you know, it's realizing that so much of this is normal. So the stepmom's listening that are going, I've had these same conversations with my partner. Like so much of it is normal. Our partners are going to feel defensive of their kids. That's evolutionary. <laughs> But at the same time, if they want this second relationship or maybe third relationship to work, right? Like statistically, we know that it's going to have to be done differently. And that is always going to have to mean supporting your partner in the role as a stepmom. Like we know that that's right. like right. a given. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm like telling my husband sometimes like, I love you but I need to miss you <laughs> sometimes <laughs> and I need my breaks. And, you know, we got my stepson a couple of days early now. And as I'm driving home, I'm like mentally preparing myself. I'm like, Oh, I didn't get my three extra days to like, you yeah. decompress and decompress. Well, it's a transition, right? It's not only a transition for him. Like we talked about it's a transition for you, right? It's just yeah. totally different than what you expected. Yeah. And people need to have time and space to settle into something that's unexpected. It's just a change. And going back to that soul care versus self-care, like stepmoms who deal with transitions are dealing with that differently than full-time stepmoms, right? So like me, my soul care is that time with my friends and, you know, getting on my bike or reading my book or doing my meditation, like all that stuff really soothes me. And then there's the self-care, which is like going and doing the grocery shopping for him because he has like dietary needs and stuff like that. And I always have to do all this extra stuff when we have them. And that was a part of my thinking when I was driving home where I was like, oh my God, what do we have in the house that he can have? Okay, we're good. We've got his cereal, got his milk, we've got his yogurt, like all that stuff. And I'm like, that's the stuff that I'd rather not do, but it will make my life easier. And like, that's just the logistics of that transition and and preparing. Right. And so when your husband is feeling like, but you're not here all the time when he's here, how come? Like we want you here, right? It's like, oh, well, because I did some care for your son before he got here, right? I went to the grocery store to get all the things he needs. I did all of these like pre-preparation things for him to come and that's caring for him, right? In the same way, just different than spending time with him. That's also a very loving thing. I did acts of service for him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. See, <laughs> yeah. acts of service. <laughs> yeah. So I did ask Instagram to ask you some questions and I'm opening it up right now to see what is a tried and true method to reduce volume of dysfunctional message with high conflict parent. So I, I'm, I'm interpreting the word volume to mean the frequency, like the amount of messages that are coming in? What is a tried and true method of reducing the amount of messages? So a couple of things here. There's so much to say about this, but I'll keep it brief. On the one hand, remember, we can't do anything to change our co-parent, right? All we can do is change how we react, how we respond. And so part of how we react and respond could reduce the number of messages that you get, right? Because most messages don't actually need a response. It's just that parents go into panic mode. How's this going to look to the court? How's this going to look to my judge? How's this going to look to the teachers, the healthcare workers, whatever? And so they want to defend themselves. 
right? And so learning the skills and learning really how to navigate, okay, does this message need a response? And then feeling okay with where you land on that. And so the fewer times that you respond, it might reduce the number of messages they send because you're not engaging, right? So I talked a lot about how it takes two people to engage in conflict and people are always like, no, I'm not the one. Well, but you're doing something, right? If, you're, if you are responding to messages, you're doing something and it only takes one person to disengage. Now, that doesn't mean you just completely stop responding at all, of course. And I love, I think the very first time we ever did a podcast, and I use this all the time, I love the way you put it, stop watering the plant, mm-hmm. right? If you stop watering the plant, the plant will not continue to grow. And it's the same thing. So if you're not sending, you know, meeting them where they're at and responding to every message or everything in the message, then it's just generally going to reduce the overall. Now, that said, if you have a a co-parent who no matter what you do, they just continue to send, you know, 10 messages a day, there's not a lot you can do about that. I mean, you, you know, you can go to court and say, hey, can you limit it to one per day, limit it to the bullet points, all of those things may or may not actually work. But aside from that, this is where the boundaries come in and have to be really, really firm that you check messages maybe once a week at a time where it's okay if you get activated, right? So not right before you pick up your stepkid, not right before you go into an important business meeting. But you have to really make sure that, okay, this is at a time and a day where I'm probably going to get activated and I'm just going to like work through it rather than checking every single day. Turn off the notifications on your phone because that's just all very activating. Yeah. So those, I, with our family wizard and all the other apps and stuff, it's, I feel like it's easier to do that. What's your advice for those that are like, only communication email. Is like yeah email but those that won't do email and it's texting like if it's texting that's a hard pass if they're yeah if they're gonna text then you open up your email and you respond in email if they continue to text and it becomes like you know it's all about control right and so your boundary is i'm only going to communicate with you in email and so if you keep texting me i'm gonna have to block you right? And people get really nervous, like, oh my gosh, what if I miss an emergency? There's almost never emergencies or unblock them when the kids are with them. Yep. And it's, it, that's a hard one that people have a really hard time, but then they come back to me and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't do that sooner. And eventually they learn. And so then you can actually turn texting back on and just not tell them. Right. Yeah. 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 And so if you have email, if they do email with you and you don't want, you know, you're working during the day, email pops up, you don't want to do that. So, you know, learn how to set up rules in your email so that their messages automatically go to a folder. And then same kind of thing as OFW or whatever the service you use, check those messages at a day and time when you can actually work through the activation and, you know, get through the messages. So that's like the first thing when, you know, people work with me as a ghostwriter, first thing I tell them is turn off your notifications. And if you're ordered for OFW, that's where you should be communicating. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm hearing here is like, use the technology available to you. Right. And then set the boundaries. For those of you that don't know what like OFW is, our family wizard, I did a whole episode on our family wizard with someone from our family wizard. And we taught, we'd like chat all about the different apps and things like that. Also, I have a blog on my website about why we only communicate via email unless it's an emergency where the text or call is okay. But yeah, we shifted to to email only several years ago and it's been fantastic and so great and just then our ability to have those boundaries. So yeah, technology, use it, use it to your <laughs> to your advantage. Next question. Advice on nightly calls always turns into drama. So the calls go late, kids forget to call, parent listens in. Any advice for dealing with the calls to and from or with the kids? Probably the number one question that I get with really? clients all the time. Yeah. I would say extracurriculars, transitions, and phone calls. Yeah. So, you know, if you listen to prior episodes or 
follow me on Instagram. I talk about it all the time because it's, I feel so passionate about it. Phone calls are meant for the kids, not for the parents. If it's a parent, you know, wanting to call because they miss their kid, that's not what phone calls about. And so daily phone calls are really, really unsettling for the kids, right? Especially if they're in the home with a high conflict co-parent and their co-parent makes that, that parent makes them feel guilty about, for instance, wanting to have a relationship in a phone call with the step step parent, right? And so then they truncate when they're on the phone call and then it just gets weird. And then maybe bio mom thinks, oh, well, clearly, you know, our kid doesn't like the stepmom because look at how, you know, they never want to talk on the phone or whatever it is. It's so messy. It's so complicated. And I just am a strong believer of let the kids settle into their time at both homes without that interruption. They're already having to transition, you know, regularly. And every time they have to transition, they have to reorient to where they are, what the rules are. And so, you know, in my nine-week class that I teach, we talk a lot about, in one one um, of the classes, we talk about how do you keep yourself in your co-parent's home and how does your co-parent keep you, keep themselves in your home? And that's one of the biggest ways is I see high-conflict co-parents insisting on, you know, we have to have a face FaceTime call every single night and then blowing up the email. Why didn't you answer the call? I called five times. And it's like, well, why would you call five times, right? Like, right. obviously we're not available. So really in how you can, you know, if you're the parent who is trying to navigate this and not concerned about having daily calls, your cat's face just made me crack up. You can... <laughs> You can even say, you know, when you send your kids off, you can say, hey, you know what? I want you to settle in to your time at mom's house. And so, you know, I always love you. We're always connected, that invisible string or whatever you want to use. You can call me, but I'm going to let you, you know, enjoy that time. I know we're already, I don't need to call you every every single day because I want you to have, you know, a great time uninterrupted in the other home. And they start to get the sense that, oh, we have this healthy, secure attachment, even when we're not together. And yet in the other house, that parent is insisting on calling every single day. Most kids don't want to talk on the phone every day no. until they become teenagers. And then it's never about talking to their parents every day. It's their friends, right? Mm-hmm. What kid mm-hmm. wants to stop what they're doing, whether they're you know, right. having fun with friends or with family game night or dinner or whatever. They just, they don't want to, especially if they know that the other parent is going to be listening in on their call. It's not an authentic conversation, right? So then it's just control. Unless alienation has really grabbed a hold, right? And then I know stepmoms that have their stepkids and it's like, they feel that if they're not responding to mom, she's going to, you know, say, Oh, you know, and and they make them feel guilty for not responding or, you know, and it's like, then, then everyone's really stuck. But eventually the kids will get old enough where they're going to realize what's happening, right? They're going to figure it out. It's harder, you know, with the younger kids. Yeah. And so if it's incoming calls and, you know, the incoming calls are happening and because I also hear from, you know, stepmoms and other parents that just, you know, hearing the other parent's voice, like they don't want to hear the calls, right? And so in that situation, put in your AirPods, listen to the Radical Stepmoms podcast, go for a walk, do something that like, so you're not hearing it because like, oh my gosh, it just causes your your blood to boil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we actually talked about that recently. Really happy because I don't have to deal with that. My stepson doesn't have a kid or doesn't have a um, cell phone or anything yet. So I am just not looking forward to, so to all the stepmoms that have to deal with that, sending you love. (laughs) (laughs) Another question, how to deal with a threat of lawyering up when it's the threat to scare us into her way? I would say that I think the biggest, most important thing is to just make sure that your side of the street is very clean. And so that you don't have any real threat, right? So their threat, she might continue to make threats. It's all about control, whether she goes to court or not. If you just make sure that everything on your side is clean and you're doing the right thing, putting the kids first, not putting them in the middle, 
showing up to transitions on time, doing all of the things, then it's not really, it's, you know, it might be financially costly, but you can't just give in because there's threat making threats, right? So you have to just parent as if you're the only parent and kind of let go of what's going on there. And that's where it's really important to work with a coach because it's the activation piece again, right? They're feeling activated because they're going into fight or flight every single time there's a threat. Well, if you do this, I'm taking you back to court or I will take get more custody or take away your custody or get sole decision-making, whatever it is. And it causes you to go into fight or flight and then you're reacting rather than responding or not responding rather. Yeah. And I think all of that, like making sure that your stuff is set and really seeing that it is a threat and like, what's the likelihood of them following through with it? Because that's also time and money on their end. And especially if it's, you know, she's not getting what she wants or she's not getting her way, but it's the parenting plan way. Like if there's a set and she's like, well, I want them two extra days for Christmas, but it's not her year for Christmas. My suggestion is to always in documentation, email, whatever, per the parenting plan, we are going off of what it says. We are, you know, we are sticking to the schedule, like apologies that you won't get your two days, but like, that's not, you know, and it's, it as, as long as you can stick to what is already set as much as possible and document. And like you said, make sure your side is clean me and my husband have been down this road many times and we're always like, you know what? Take us to court. We would love to go. (laughs) Like we've got spreadsheets. We've got all the things let's go. And that's why it's really important to make sure that when you're messaging, whether it's in one of the parenting apps or email, that it's really, really biff, right? So the brief, informative, friendly, and firm Because what ends up happening, and I see this all the time, is that there's one parent creating all the conflict and the court doesn't have time to weed through it. And so if what they see is mom sends, you know, a really lengthy, over-the-top accusatory email, and then you respond to that in a very defensive, lengthy manner, all the court sees is, why are you all sending books to each other, right? This is nonsense. You're both creating conflict, cut it out. Versus if you either don't respond to things that don't need to be responded to, or you send very brief messages, then it's much easier for the court to see which party is the one who's creating most of the conflict. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's what I tell my husband every time he gets a little spicy. I'm like, <laughs> you got to reel it in because you're looking a little yep. cray right now. Like, I know you've got things that you want to say. I know you think you need to like correct her for whatever, or point out how hypocritical she is or whatever it is. Don't take the bait. No, don't, don't take, take it. the bait. Right. I always tell people make a journal entry. If you're in one of the parenting apps, it's great because they do a date and timestamp. If you're not, you can just do an old school date your journal, but at least then when you go to court and they're like, well, I, you know, asked them about all of these things and they didn't defend it. It's like, well, I didn't defend it because I've learned that when I engage in the conflict, it escalates, but I do have this journal here that has all of my entries of what happened. And that way you're covered. Yep. Documentation, man. That's just like key documentation, but that's different than communicating right? Yes. Documentation for yourself, not putting your documentation in an email to them. Yes. Yeah. There are some things that I'm always like, should we say this just so it's documented? Or there's like, like, you know, we will save certain conversations. Like we know we're going to see her, but we're not going to ask her a specific question intentionally because we would prefer to ask it through email. So it's documented, right? Like her schedule's changing and we don't know where my stepson's going to be for childcare. And instead of her coming up with something on the fly while we're at a transition back to it and she can't deny it. (laughs) So there's some things where we're like, no, we want this written down. 
And, and she knows that. And there are some things that she will be like, oh, I was going to reply to the email, but I'll just tell you now. And we're like, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) She's smart. That one. Yep. Yep. (laughs) That was all the questions that I have right now, as far as the DMS go, but people can reach out to you with more questions and if they want to get a hold of you. So before we wrap up, how about you share how people can find you, how people can connect, get connected to you. And I know that you have like you had kind of mentioned, you have workshops and and things going on. So how can people get into that? Yeah. So they can um, go to my website, coachmichelle.club. So it's dot C-L-U-B. They can email me info at coachmichelle.club. Or I guess, no, I'm sorry. The email is info at coachmichelle.com. And then the my Instagram is coachmichellesd. It's probably, those are the best ways to reach me. Yeah. Yeah. I will put all that info on the show notes as well. And like I said, I'm going to also include the previous episodes. Um, My private community also knows you. You've done private or exclusive episodes for them and they loved that. So I appreciate it. Yeah. If you are wanting more high conflict coaching content and and techniques, Michelle is the person to go to. I feel like it's the feeling that kept coming up as we've been talking is like preparation and having these tools and techniques to make it so it's less thinking about how we're dealing with these situations, right? Like having the tools and it's very business-like as far as like how you're communicating with the ex, it's very business-like. And I love that you use that analogy of like, you wouldn't just go into someone's and that's how I want, like, I, I try and think of it as having those boundaries. And then also so much of taking care of yourself and knowing yourself well enough where you know what tools to grab of I'm feeling super deflated, high conflict stuff all day, every day. What do I need right now? Self-care, soul care, and I mean, I encourage stepmoms all the time to ask yourself what you need for yourself today and make it happen. And what do you need to make it happen? Is it you need your partner to take the kids so you can go run and get your nails done? Is it you need, you know, your partner to take the kids out of the house so then you can clean the house? I love that. I love when my husband's not home so I can do manic cleaning. <laughs> like whatever, whatever it might be. And and to just know yourself. I feel like is, is that key piece. So, you know, what your heart needs. Absolutely. Because if you don't know yourself and what you need, then you're certainly not going to get your needs met. Yep. Yeah. Or know how to ask for them. You're the best person to meet your needs. Yeah. And like my husband says all the time, woman, I'm not a mind reader. Just tell me what you need. (laughs) And I'll I'll make it it. happen. (laughs) Yeah. I love Uh, that. All right. Michelle, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate it. I hope I send some more people your way and I will chat with you next time. As always, be well and stay radical. All right, ladies, the episode is over, but do you want a little more? Come find me on Instagram and join the community at Radical Stepmoms Podcast or schedule a one-on-one session and get that personalized support or become a Radical member and gain access to exclusive content like bonus episodes and merch. Radical Stepmoms is so much bigger than a podcast. Check out the details and the notes on this episode.